I learned over time like to be more vulnerable, but I've always not been concerned with people that might like read it and know me and use it as a way to judge me. I was always like, that's less important than the people who know me and look up to me and are going to feel comfort knowing that I also struggle with this or I've also been yeah. through this. So, so yeah. And with the art, like social media, we assume that everyone is like laser focused on us and there's people who knew me my whole life and I had posted art like several times that it, it, it took like a certain post that actually caught their eye to be like, oh my God, I didn't know you draw, you know? And I'll be like, oh, okay. Like people are not scrutinizing me as closely as I think. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo, what's good? Welcome to another episode of the Quinto Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel bringing you another very special episode with another very special guest. If you saw the clip in the intro, you'll notice that we shot this episode in person. This was actually while I was in Miami. I figured I'd take advantage that I'm in town and record some content with some locals. That said, we shot this episode at HGAB Studio. They got a dope setup for all things creative right in Wynwood, Miami. For us, we took advantage of the podcast setup that they had. And shout out to my boy Abraham, who was the engineer in room that was in there doing his Spielberg thing, cutting in between scenes. That's why the episode looking so damn crispy. We do got a dope guest for this week's episode, Reina Noriega. Before getting into the full episode, let me give you a quick little bio so, you know, you got some more context going into it. So Reina is a visual artist and author. Her work centers around women of color and provides joyful and vibrant representation to instill a sense of hope and pride. Her work has graced the covers of Science Magazine, The New Yorker, and thousands of people collect and showcase her art in their homes and around the world. Reina's work centers around that aspect of our journeys as we seek to rise and be our best, our most authentic selves, so that we can all experience sustainable peace and happiness. To get a full bio, please be sure to check out the show notes and the episode description of this week's episode. Now that you got some more context, Let's get into this dope conversation. So I, I typically start the episode with the buzzword that is authenticity, right? You probably hear it everywhere. But when you hear it, what does it mean to you? To thine own self be true. To thy own self be true? Yes. Okay. Now, <laughs> growing up, was it easy to live in that definition? I think it took time. It okay. took time. I think I had good examples of that. My mom is very a very confident woman, very happy in her skin. So I think that was a good model. But of course, there's a lot of noise around you as you're finding yourself and you're in school and certain things are seen as, you know, a beauty standard that you may not see yourself fit into or, yeah. you know, just different things that come up. But I think over time, I've learned to find like, what is my unique magic and harness that and amplify that within myself without comparison tell me tell me about the noise like tell me more about that like what noise did you hear or see it can be it's everything it's everything that i thought i had to be it's my kind of like drive for perfectionism my people pleasing it was fear you know fear of the unknown fear of failure all of that can be noise that kind of keeps you away from your purpose mm. if you're not aware of it you know, and I think I've been very lucky, like I pointed out the quote, 
the Shakespeare quote that I got tatted, you know. Girl, I thought that was you. But I'm very lucky that certain things have like stuck with me that I've read, you know, even res- the theory of resistance by I think it's Stephen Pressfield in The Art of War okay. or The War of Art and just how like different distractions present resistance to our goals and our dreams that we don't notice. So yeah. gossip, certain addictions, people who are just kind of like always find themselves in the thick of something that's kind of like a distraction. You know, I can't yeah. work on my dream because I'm, I'm ill or I'm tired or I'm fighting with this person at my job. And so when that kind of like when I read that and I started to analyze everything in my life of like, oh, this is resistance. Like this is this doesn't have to be this way. This is a an obstacle that I have to learn to circumnavigate. Yeah. I think one of the first forms of resistance is often family expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've learned in this podcast about authenticity is that we feel like we're our most authentic self when we are rebelling against the version of ourselves that we've been told our entire lives that we can't be or shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Right. And our family, you know, as much as like they care for us, they, they just want to protect us. And they mm-hmm. often have expectations of how we should show up, what career paths we should follow, all these kind of things. So like what expectations do you think early on you had? I think, well, like I said, the perfectionism, I was the child that like didn't talk back. I was the yes kid. I was always the one like if something was needed or misplaced, I was just like, I'll get it. I'll do it. (laughs) And so that became unrealistic as I grew up and wanted to, you know, forge my own path and do my own thing. And I started to realize that I had created this expectation of like if I even went out one time, it was like, oh, my gosh, where are you going? Why are you leaving? (laughs) Because, like, you know, I had let myself be this, like, everyone can depend on me. I'm always there. And are you, um, you, the, you the oldest? Because I know you have, like, I'm the second of four. Okay. So not quite the oldest, not quite the middle. I'm just, like. So how did you assume, like, that role? You know, it's just, I, because I was the yes kid. And I was got the it, beha- the one that was behaved and didn't talk back. And So you're saying everyone else wasn't behaved? <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> but it was definitely. <laughs> bit different so interesting yeah so as i grew up and like i don't think i received so much resistance towards my dreams as much as just like i couldn't be who i was meant to be while trying to carry everyone else's things that's tough and so knowing how to like separate myself from that and deal with as a people pleaser deal with telling people no and feeling the disappointment hearing the disappointment and knowing that ultimately what I'm pouring into myself is for the betterment of my family. And like, it's like, we just have to figure it out. Yeah. And and you mentioned this earlier that like you had some like really dope examples of just like adults Mm -hmm. growing up. Like you Mm -hmm. mentioned your mom, um, as far as like career wise, like when you started thinking and like, you've alluded to like dreaming, like Mm -hmm. pretty young, like when you thought about life later on dreaming about career, like what did you think about? I don't think I knew. I think that I aspired to have a lifestyle where I knew I didn't like structure that much. Like mm. even in school, I was a very good student, straight A student, but I was always looking out the window and I always I didn't mind working, but I wanted to be outside. Like I didn't want to be in the classroom. I didn't mind reading. I didn't okay. mind. I'd, I'll write as many pages as you want. Just let me do it outside. And so and what, what did you study when you were when you in there? In like in college, yeah. psychology. I was okay. supposed to be an art major and, you know. Not you rolling your <laughs> <laughs> I just, with all of like the years of excelling at school, 
my parents, like I said, my parents didn't force their expectations on me, but yeah. like I wanted to give them a doctorate or like a PhD. Mm. And I was like, I'll just do psychology and, you know, go into psychiatry and it won't be as like stressful as law or like an actual medical doctor. So they um, never told you specifically like, yo, like, yo, let me nudge you that way. Like you just had it in your mind. Like this will make them yeah, happy, proud. Yeah. There were comments of like, oh my, like you should do this. Not gentle, not like. Sure, yeah. If you choose this, we're going to disown you. Just more <laughs> yeah. so like, you're so smart. You should do this. You yeah, know? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. In the back of my head, I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not called to blood. I'm not called yeah. to reading this much paperwork. But I still, you know, I still wanted to make them proud in that way. Of so, course. And it's funny because for them, it, it wasn't, I mean, maybe, right? I'm making another story in my head. But for them, it probably wasn't even like a nudge. It was kind of just like, maybe they saw a certain part of you that was just like, oh, maybe she'll be successful in this route. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. But like us young like we take everything like very literally mm -hmm. yeah it's just fascinating mm -hmm. yeah i got to see that when the roles reverse and i became a teacher and i kind of you see how impressionable they yeah. are and like and i'm even seeing it now like outside of that i have nieces i have a nephew and they're very young and i'm, I'm learning how everything feels so big mm -hmm. when your world is like that small and you're that right. young right so definitely I think that definitely um, played a role. But my dad was an artist. And so I got, also got to see the aspect of like he was supporting a family comfortably with art. So also wasn't just a hobby for him. He was actually that's really dope. Yeah. He was an athlete. And when he got hurt, he was able to like just like me, how I let art be the fallback because I thought it wasn't for sure. Like art was what saved our family when he got hurt. So, you know, he was doing his graphic design, embroidery and like finding different practical outlets for art mm -hmm. versus like the perception we have that all artists are painters and starving artists yeah. until they get discovered or picked up by a gallery. So that yeah. was very helpful for me to see because he did art based on his interests. So he worked a lot with like sports logos and teams and, you know, corporate run t-shirts where he's yeah. drawing athletes. So it was very tailored to what he loved, but it was using art, you know, as a career. So you also had a very early example of like, oh, entrepreneurship is possible. Mm -hmm. That's really dope. Mm -hmm. But either way, it's not like you went right into that. Like you, no. like you, you and were, it's, and it's not like it makes sense now. And I put the pieces together, right, but right, it's not right. like in the moment I was like, I could be an artist. He's successful. It's just, you're just seeing things and it's little, it's like little by little building up and yeah. making sense. So you started as, as a teacher though, when you started like your quote unquote career, like profession. Yeah. yeah. After college. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I always ask people like, all right, their first quote unquote adult job, what was their like swag like? Like, did you mm. go in there with a pantsuit? Like, I would kill to see <laughs> you in, in, like, a black or gray navy. <laughs> like, no. I mean, I how was. How did you show up? I was driving my coworkers crazy because I was, like, dressing up. And, you know, everyone is, like, so stressed out. And we're, I was a high school teacher. So the teachers are, like, exhausted. And I was coming with, like, my stilettos and, like, really? cute outfits. And so it's cool because then the kids are looking up to you like i want to be her when mm -hmm. i grow up so they're more like perceptive and you know yeah so it worked out and um it was good for my calf muscles just walking <laughs> around the school and heels all the time but everybody would always ask me like you're not tired why are you wearing that like right right but yeah but you see that's i feel like that's an opportunity for like the, the first maybe thing of like authenticity versus professionalism mm -hmm. right because it's like we're trained to believe that we have to show up a certain way. Mm -hmm. And there you are being like, 
no, like I want this is how this is how I dress normally. Like I just want to show up like this. Like, do you think it was ever met with resistance in any ways? No, I think that I learned because my job before that I worked at like a department store and I used to get in trouble for dress code, but not because I was dressed inappropriately, just because my body was naturally different. So I would get in trouble for wearing a maxi skirt. So I would have a skirt on from here right, right. to the floor, but somehow I would be like reprimanded for inappropriate dress code just because I have curves. And so when it came to the students, obviously, like I wanted to be mindful of that and I to kind of be called aside for things right. like that. So I kind of learned to still like express myself. But, you know, everything is flowy and like loose fitting and all of that. So still bringing in the colors and the styles that I like, but working with kids and high school kids and boys and girls, it was just like if they were if that's how they felt in a department store full of adults, like right, right. I, I have to just like. Even if it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense or it's not fair or whatever. I was just like, you know. Yeah, but how did you go from like, because I think if you if some people are being reprimanded, they go one of two ways, right? They say like, oh, well, let me change myself so that I don't get reprimanded again. Or you kind of go your route and then you just start leaning into like how you really want to be. Like, did mm -hmm. was it an instant thing or did you start like change, start changing a little part, bit about you? I think... It was pretty instant because I didn't, that's also something that I can't control and that's something I never liked. I never liked attention for my body, sure. even from like men. So like yeah. my lady HR telling me that it's like, it doesn't feel, it worse doesn't like feel good. So it was just pretty immediate where it was like, yeah, like it pissed me off. And yeah, I just, I felt like it wasn't fair, but I was like, okay, like this is my body. So I'm <laughs> yeah. But it's it's interesting too because I love how bright and bold the colors. Like, all right, you know how like when you listen to music, at least for me, it's like the, the the best equivalent. It's like when rappers are living their raps, mm -hmm. but like I feel like most of them aren't, right? Like you look at your art, and then you see you in person, you're like, yo, she like she living her paintings. Mm -hmm. Like you literally <laughs> pluck yourself out that and like see you now, you're like, oh, that's really her. Mm -hmm. But I think often like especially like professionally, we're trained at least. People on the show, they're like, when they dress up for work, all these things, they don't wear bright colors because they don't want to cause attention or they don't wear certain colors, certain fits because it's not professional or mm -hmm. appropriate. Like, when did you get the confidence to just like. I took that from my mom. My mom was like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. Your family is like really fly. <laughs> like, when y'all be doing little family portraits on like IG, on like, I was like, yeah, that's a fly family. My, my family got to step it up. <laughs> <laughs> don't put the pressure on them yeah but yeah and back then when i was teaching like it, i found my colorful self a little yes. bit after that because that was its own metamorphosis so Ooh. i was still at that time not fully comfortable standing out that much like i was standing out by the fact that i was putting thought and like effort into the way that i was showing up for my students but i wasn't even I wasn't even fully aware of who I was until I had the courage to leave teaching to really bet on myself and further my art career. So that in itself is like its own, <laughs> that in itself is its own kind of like evolution. Yeah. You almost got to like bet on yourself on a daily basis. Yes. It is yes. tough. What was that? Like, what were the thoughts in your head during that time when you were just like, should I do it? Should I not? Like, tell me about the anxieties and the thoughts that you had. 
that's when I started leaning into poetry. So my first and second book, well, my first book was while I was teaching. The second book in bloom was when I left. And those were kind of like the thoughts that were going through my head. I was like writing it down and documenting it. And I kind of realized that it was reading like short form poems and just mm -hmm. like prose. And um, yeah, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of asking myself questions and my higher self giving me the answers in like real time. And then like how I, how quickly I choose to incorporate those lessons. That's how quickly the evolution can happen. So yeah. it was at the time a very scary time, but looking back a very beautiful time because a lot of like the seeds that had been planted were finally given like the proper environment to bloom. Oh, I, that's how I feel about journaling. Mm -hmm. Like I journal every morning and it's like a energy transfer. Like mm -hmm. at some point I just have all this energy and thoughts in my head and I just need to get it out somehow. Mm -hmm. And I've recently started, so I have an iPad and I just journal there, but I recently started doing like voice notes to myself mm -hmm. and maybe like 10, 15 minutes into it, there's like a moment where it goes from like doubt into like action. And it's just reminding me of like what you're saying. It's just like literally as you get more and more thoughts out of your head you start to see the bigger picture and like what you actually want to mm -hmm. do like that stuff is powerful like that's one of the things that i'm really passionate about like i want to get more people into mm -hmm. journaling uh, yeah. because i think it's really helpful yeah and just like analyzing the thoughts and like the things that you're feeding your mind mm -hmm. um because i think i got really intentional at that time one of like what i was taking in so was i taking in things that inspired me or things that drained me or made me angry or you know just being really critical of that and then also listening to the way that i was talking to myself and empowering myself and then questioning like would you talk to someone that you love that way? No. So why are you talking to yourself that way? And like, why do you, why are you feeding yourself so much doubt and so much criticism when you could be uplifting yourself? So that was like thinking back to my default thought pattern back then and how it took like months and months of catching myself and reprogramming to now have a default of like speaking life into myself. Right. It's like, it's a blessing and it's like something that you have to like really be cognizant of someone told me love languages for example mm -hmm. it's often like we think about how to love our partner mm -hmm. or even family or friends but i never thought about it from the perspective of it's often how we should love ourselves mm -hmm. so like physical touch for me i'm constantly like just holding my arm touching my mm -hmm. leg all these things but a lot of people words of affirmation mm -hmm. right we often think about it to other people but it's like no like we have to give ourselves the words of affirmation yeah. oftentimes or whatever that love language is Damn, so you did a lot of, like, introspective work. A lot. And you're an introvert, as it is. Mm -hmm. So you spend a lot of time alone, just, like, mm -hmm. journal. You're like, get out of my head. <laughs> at, that <t> <laughs> at that time, I had to learn that I needed that as well. And it's not just time by yourself. It's, like, the time that you're spending talking to yourself and working on yourself because... I spent a lot of time at home drawing or listening to music or watching TV, and, and there was no progress made. So when I was, like, intentionally working on myself and intentionally like working through some stuff and reading up some stuff, you know, that's when I started to see the changes that I wanted to see. Yeah. Something else you mentioned too, is just like one thing is creating, but another thing is like sharing it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like here you are putting your thoughts out there and you're just like, Oh, like this kind of is looking like a short story poem. Something mm -hmm. and you're like, this could be something, mm -hmm. but then it's like putting it out into the world, sharing it with other people. Like <laughs> how nervous were you to like, 
Like, what's the first piece of work that you were just like, hey, and who did you share with you? Like, your family? Like, I don't know. Because you're like, um, are they going to be honest with me? There's a lot to, like, think about that stuff. Yeah. Funny enough, I, I started a blog. So I started blogging on, I think, WordPress. Okay. And little by little, you know, one person reads it, two people yeah. read it, one comment. And then, you know, I started to get yeah. more and more comfortable. And then, you know, when I switched websites, I kept doing it on my website. Eventually, I started writing for Thought Catalog just as like their submissions, whatever. And more and more, like I started sharing like in longer essay form, the things that I was feeling or struggling with or growing through and yeah. kind of seeing the parallel that other people were also experiencing. And, and it kind of like, yes. it would help me affirm the fact that I need to do this and I need to yeah. share and I need to be a beacon of light and like an outlet. And, and I can't just like, it's, it's not for me to keep it inside. Like yeah. it, it is something that I'm meant to share and help others. Yeah, I always tell people, like as powerful as it is just like literally transferring the energy, the other powerful thing is finding out that you're not the only one mm -hmm. in whatever you're going through, right? I often say that if we don't talk about our experiences, we think we're alone, right? Mm -hmm. When we think we're alone, we think we're the problem mm -hmm. or not the problem. Like everybody is going through these things. So it's a little bit of like validation just in a way that like, oh, I'm, I'm human. Like everything's okay kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, but also you give people hope to like get over it yeah that's really dope like this, this one time i was in therapy my therapist was like so i'm sorry do you think you're my only client mm -hmm. i was like what are you talking about she was like you think i could pay my bills with just you and i was like oh other people are going through things but it just like put things into perspective and made me feel like normal for the first time yeah and i think community another buzzword just like people reading a blog is like another way of validation yeah absolutely so you started with like poetry when did you start creating paintings like was that or, or more visual arts i have all well i've been creating since i was little and i took a little hiatus when i started doubting myself in like yeah. elementary middle school so i That's took an art class started creeping in yeah wow. i mean and you it, i think you hear other kids and they're like i can't draw i can only do stick figures yeah. and you're like yeah i can't draw but the whole time, like when I was little, I was drawing. Like I just posted yesterday, like I, saw. I was finding my drawings in my dad's sketchbooks. And um, I didn't say anything wrong with it then. But it's like you start hearing that from other people. And you're like, yeah, I can't draw. Whatever. So it wasn't until um, 11th grade, I took an art class. And it brought back the love that I had for it. And um, I really kept it going as a practice. But it took a while to be like, not only comfortable with sharing it, but also it wasn't until I became a teacher and I started transforming my art into illustrations while teaching. And that was when I kind of learned how art could be used as like an immediate form of communication similar to my blogs. So I started Ooh. illustrating. Yeah. So I started illustrating for my blogs and like the illustrations would have a meaning. Like, you know, I did one that was like, attention as currency and like i was just practicing some of the themes that i was thinking about and working through as like illustrations and it was different than like the portraits i had been painting before and like you know just some other stuff and so yeah pretty much when i started teaching in like 2015 2016 that's when that aspect of creating art and using art as a form of communication as a form of connecting and building community that's when that happened how many people how many people even knew that like 
you were working on all this? Like, was this was the blog anonymous? No. Like people. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was, and I'm always. I learned over time, like to be more vulnerable, but I've always not been concerned with people that might like read it and know me and use it as a way to judge me. I was always like, that's less important than the people who know me and look up to me mm -hmm. and are going to feel comfort knowing that I also struggle with this or I've also been yeah. through this. Yeah. So, so yeah. And with the art, like social media, we assume that everyone is like laser focused on us and there's people who knew me my whole life and I had posted art like several times that it, it, it took like a certain post that actually caught their eye to be like, oh my God, I didn't know you draw, you know? And I'll be like, oh, okay. Like people are not, scrutinizing me as closely as i think and the same thing with wearing color you know like when yeah, you're yeah. kind of shy or like not as confident you think that if you stand out everyone's judging you and everybody's right, right. gonna be like why are you wearing that and and then you wear and you realize that half of the people are in their own head and not paying attention to you or everybody yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and the other people are gonna be like so inspired by like right. what you're doing and and it's not like not gonna matter <laughs> but we just all make up stories in our head yeah, like we think we can predict the future. We think we know what everyone else is thinking. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, like most people don't care about what mm -hmm. we're doing or they're not even looking for us. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm curious, like when that doubt creeps in, is it mostly from like comparison? Like, and if so, like who are you comparing yourself to? Mm, I don't think, well, yes, for art, it was comparison to a certain extent where like I wasn't as comfortable sharing in the beginning because I was always comparing myself to someone who I assumed was better than me or like more classically trained. And so, yeah, so even when I was drawing super realistic and shading and all of that, it wasn't enough. And so when I started illustrating and my style was complete opposite, it was empowering for me because I was focused on having fun and communicating something and not how perfect everything was and how detailed everything was. When did you switch from that? That was when I started teaching and when I started illustrating. Damn, teaching had like a really big impact it on did. you. It did. It did. Was it also just like being around the kids and like being yeah. sort of that representation for them? Yeah. What sort of comments or, or things did the kids tell you? Um, well, first and foremost, like I couldn't let them see me sweat and I couldn't let them see me doubt myself or else they would also doubt my authority. Mm -hmm. So it, there's also that like... The same way that I've learned to think of my higher self as like an avatar and like something that you're, you're playing dress up as this other yeah. being. It was the same thing walking into the classroom of like prepping myself that, you know, like you're sure of yourself, you're sure of what you're doing here, you're sure of the authority that you hold, you're sure of the position that you hold. And there's no room for like, oh, but what if they don't like me? But what if they don't respect? Me? It's like, no, I'm like, you know, you're just talking to yourself like yeah. I'm here to do this and I have to do this. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it kind of helped to not leave that room for doubt. And then watching them and the way they approached things reminded me of that childlike curiosity and like, you know, just not being afraid to make mistakes. Because when I started drawing again in the 11th grade, I was super excited. I was using whatever material. It was fun. And then once I started getting compliments from my classmates, it became like, oh, I have to be better. They think I'm good, so I have to become great so I could become this thing. And, you know, and it, it just was so much pressure. It wasn't fun. It was stressful. Really? So, so, so did you start creating a certain way to, like, please what you thought they wanted? Yes. 
Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so dialing it back and kind of seeing the kids discovering what I'm teaching them for the first time and and how they're enjoying it, it just kind of reminded me to also like enjoy it again and just like have fun with it and be inspired by anything and everything. It's kind of it's kind of the equivalent to people creating content for the algorithm. Mm -hmm. Like your algorithm was in real life compliments Mm -hmm. in some ways. Mm -hmm. Like like oh they like this type of person being Mm -hmm. drawn let me continue drawing this type of person Mm -hmm. whereas like a lot of content creators for example like they'll make a certain type of video it's like oh they like the comedy skits i'm only going to do comedy skits Mm -hmm. and eventually you get burnt out and then you're like i need to find what i want to do despite if it's going to be sold if it's going to be liked like i just want to start a conversation do a certain color palette whatever it is but that takes a lot of guts Mm -hmm. because it's so because you know what's going to slap but you're like i don't care i just want to make this for me Mm -hmm. it's tough and that's the space you're in now yeah wow took a while and you learn i used to hear myself everything i was making at one point i needed someone's approval before i could post it do you like this Mm -hmm. should the background be this color and you like you're saying thinking of pe- what people want okay so it's national donut day i have to draw a donut because <laughs> that's what you know that's what the algorithm wants yeah and also you so you so it's not just in real life comp- like the algorithm hits yeah, you too yeah i think as an artist too like you know it's just and i started noticing it in other people and just like how it wasn't really resonating with me and i was like yeah why am i doing that like i need to figure out how to know what i like without the noise of if my friends hype me if people are gonna see it if it's gonna be wildly shared like i just i want to like it first and i want to know why i like it and i want there to be like something some connection to me and to my soul versus just like it's beyonce's birthday gotta draw beyonce (laughs) yeah because you know that's gonna hit Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. any i mean beyonce on any day is gonna hit that's funny i i don't know if you listen to okay tronada but his album he had this bar that stood out to me. He said, you can't be a true self while seeking validation. Mm. And it is so true. Mm-hmm. No matter who, like if we're still seeking validation, we're going to be creating with the idea of like, I don't care if I like it. I want them to like it. Mm-hmm. Whose validation do you think you were seeking? Was it? Well, yeah. I think, but I think we don't realize that we're seeking our own validation and we're trying to find it through people. So in order to feel like you are good enough, you need other people to tell you're good enough. And it's not, it doesn't matter if they think you're good enough. It's right. because when they say you're good enough, then you'll finally maybe a little bit believe it. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I'm still seeing validation. <laughs> I, th- I think it's interesting too that we spoke about noise earlier. Mm-hmm. And I've heard you say that, and even now we're talking about blocking, like actually blocking out noise. Like, how do you do that? You, you just lock yourself in, in like a room or like Cancun for like a week? I don't know. Like, because it's, it's probably difficult to create with so much noise. And you're yeah. already an introvert. Like, that's probably when you do your best work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think recognizing what the noise is for you is important. Like, what are those things that seep in and distract you and upset you or cause you to be anxious? Like, what are those things? Who are those people? What are those comments? Oh, don't say names, girl. <laughs> Keep it vague. <laughs> oh, but what are those comments that kind of like take you out of your flow and make you like put you in defense mode or put you in self-doubt mode so that little by little you learn how to block it out. So if it's muting somebody, if it's not following a certain account, if it's not 
reading certain news at certain times in the morning and, you know, starting your, it's those little habits that you're like, okay, so when I start my day doom scrolling, oh my God. I'm not productive because I'm anxious. Yeah, yeah. So you learn to stop doing that and replace it with something else that is better. Is like, you know, like meditation or something, tea in the morning versus the tea, you or, know? Or coffee in your case. Tea or coffee. Yeah. Yo, let me tell you, you know how like, uh, yeah, you have an iPhone. Um, you know how you can put like a time limit on apps? Mm -hmm. So I do that, but mm -hmm. then you get the notification, your time is up. Dismiss, <laughs> I'll be right back on the joints. You don't put it anymore. Let me tell you, I had to download an app mm -hmm. to block my apps. Mm -hmm. And I put a restriction mode on the app for like a whole day where I can't unblock it. Like I have no access to them. Mm -hmm. That's what I have to do because I have no self-control. And I block social media and I blocked hands, yo. All of them. <laughs> it's so tough. It's addicting. But now I'm struggling with like how do <laughs> I don't like laughing. <laughs> laughing with me or at me. No, I don't know. No, I just Same canceled thing? like a membership to a dating app because I realized that like I wasn't interested on going on dates. I was interested on in matching. And then as soon as people would message me, I'd be like, Yo. So I Okay, yeah. we, it's like I had no interest in meeting people that way or having conversations or meeting up. I thought everyone who messaged me, I was like, you're weird. You don't know me. Like, why do you want to meet up with me in my head? And I'll just keep going. And I was like, why am I? Oh, you're one of those. Why do okay. I have this? <laughs> one of those. Okay. Why do I have this membership just to like not use it? Because yeah. I don't think I'm in the headspace to absorb those conversations and really be present. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's just like. I think it was that and like I play like solitaire. Like I don't Wait, really what? spend yeah, I don't Wait, really spend <laughs> now you're laughing at me. I am. I don't really spend too much time on like Instagram. Like I'm not You just say you doom scroll in the morning. I used to. Oh, you used to, okay. But yeah. even so, I don't think it was like I don't know, because I think everyone uses social media differently. Yeah. My social media, like if you look at my feed, my for you page, it's a lot of like interior design and like hair stuff and like travel stuff so it's like really inspirational in the sense that i'm like looking i'm like okay i need to go do something so i can do this it's not mm -hmm. so much of like i have other friends that i've seen their social media is a bit different where it's like the shade room and so you're seeing one thing you're reading the comments you click on someone who wrote a comment now you're on their page you're putting two and two together that they used to date and it's just like it becomes a whole thing i don't get tied right, right. up in that web per se right. but when my mind is loud and i need a distraction it's usually like a game on my phone or like duolingo or like i got a nintendo switch so sometimes it's just i'll play the same like level in mario kart over and over and it's not it's not doing anything besides right. like distracting my mind for like a little bit. Let me find out you a gamer. I used to be. Really? I used to be. What games? Uh, we don't have to go into all that. Let me find out you about to launch a Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day. But I tried to play. I used to play like shooter games like Halo and stuff. And I used to be really good. And now I'm so bad. I don't know if I'll ever be good again. I mean, you have a lot of time on your hands now since like cut out a couple apps out of your life. <laughs> now, but you, you know, it's funny because I um. Like, even on Hinge or, like, any of these apps, sometimes I also don't even want to go on dates. But I just like seeing people. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Instagram. Like, no matter what it is, if it's, like, gossipy or even if it's, like, the most productive of things, it's still, like, just addicting to scroll. So now mm -hmm. that I've blocked a lot of things, I have struggled finding what to replace my time with. Mm -hmm. Right? So I've started reading. I've started just, like, going on mural walks. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like now you're in a good space where you found a lot of things to like substitute your mm -hmm. time with. I think I have too many things. 
Like what? What else? It's just I. Well, first of all, I to create, you need to kind of separate yourself from things. So there's not enough hour in the days to create the paintings in my head. There's not enough hours in the days to write the books I want to write. And then on top of that, I like reading. On top of that, I like playing games. On top of that, there's so many shows that I like to watch. So it just never feels like, and people that I want to spend time with as well. You know, right, so right. it's just like, I can't go to lunch, paint this thing, write this thing, read this thing. You just, I just can't. So for me, it's like not enough time interesting wait but let's get back to this gaming stuff though because okay. i'm fascinated <laughs> i'm fascinated because you don't want to talk about it that's why i'm fascinated <laughs> wait so you used to play halo what so are you picking up fortnite anytime soon no why not? that doesn't interest me i like i used to like unreal also like unreal on the computer i used to play that on the pc it was pc gamer that was this was a long time ago that was probably when i was like 11 or 12 oh this is okay this is a minute ago. and then as I became the big sister, I was like playing multiplayer games with my little sister and my little brother. Oh, that's so and it was cool. a lot of like Crash Bandicoot and oh, Spyro yeah, yeah, yeah. and more of like the levels and like adventure games. But yeah, I just I've tried. I've tried like Apex and some of the new ones and I'm just like there's too many gadgets and buttons and <laughs> I'm not killing anybody. I don't know what's going on. Oh, and I used I loved Modern Warfare. That, like, I would play the story out. That is more recently. That's probably, like, college. Yo, that's so funny. I did not know that. But Call of Duty, you put me online, I'm dying every two seconds. Respawn, <laughs> oh respawn. I can't. It moves too quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. These kids are on another level these days, too. And they got whole, like, I got a friend that streams for a living. Yeah. On on thing. And I'm just like, it's amazed what, what people are doing these days. Yeah. That's so dope. Anyway. You're not done growing, obviously, right? We're all continuing to work on ourselves. So to wrap up, like, what's the one thing that continues to inspire you to continue being your most authentic self? I don't think I've scratched the surface of, like, who I'm meant to be and who I'm meant to help and, like, the difference that I want to make in the world. And so that inspires me to, like, not only level up, but, like, strengthen my alignment and my intention because like with more visibility, it's very easy to be pulled by different masters. And I want like my soul to always be the guiding light versus like the aspiration for more money or more visibility or more opportunity or this and that. So I wanted to also always come down to like the fact that I have a desire to help people. I have a desire to be a light and so how can I use the gifts that God has given me to do that? Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Get Into It podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do us a favor. Like, share, comment. Wherever you're listening to this episode, leave us a rating and review. It's just going to help us in the algorithms to ensure that this episode and these experiences get us heard by as many people as possible. Thank you. See you next time.